Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Salt Church Podcast. Feast is prepared. Fork is in your hand. Ready to go after it? Go after the bread? All right. So last week I had kind of give, given out a mandate for the church because the week before when Chris and I were at, out of town at a conference, the Lord had shared some things with me for me to do and then shared one main thing for you guys to do. What was your part? Expect, okay, somebody that's not a pastor. Come expecting. Come expecting God to move, right? Are you, are you, that, that is so much. That is, that is the biggest, the greatest things, the greatest thing that you guys can do or myself, whether it's at church, in your prayer time, in your prayer closet, in your car, wherever, when you come expecting, that is like, I think the word expecting can almost be a synonym of faith. Because when you come expecting God to move, that's like the seedbed for faith to grow in your heart so that the Lord could literally transfer what he has for us in heaven into that vehicle of faith. He like seals it in to that vehicle, shuts the door and sends it to earth. And then we receive it and open it up and we get a new car. We get it, whatever it is that the Lord packed it in so that we could receive. Sound good? Because if we come expect, so I've got like stuff in my spirit for this region and for this place and for what God has in store for here. And I'm so like desirous for this to come forth. I am so like waiting and I have anticipation. I have anticipation for what God is doing. And I so desire for God to just like, just give me that green light to say, this is it. Starts right now. Like, boom, I'm coming. I'm, what are you expecting from God? What are you expecting? Put that inside because he's desiring to deliver it to us even now. We can't always just wait for tomorrow. Let's like right now. It might take 24 hours. It might take 48 hours. It might take 15 years for it to arrive. Do you know that saying? I haven't arrived, but at least I've left. At least I'm on my way. Amen? So that's the deal. We have to come expecting. If you need a touch from the Lord, bang. If you need like, I always hate to refer back to healing, because, but that's a tangible thing. If you need a healing, expect God to move and you'll be healed. If you need, but I think it goes way beyond that. The greatest thing to receive is, the greatest thing Jesus can give you is Jesus himself. Because you'll walk away after spending time with the Lord with zero need, no lack, no issue, no problem. I wanted to look at Psalm 34 this morning together. I'm just going to kind of read it through. It's kind of like the, the um, Salt Church Scripture, Psalm 34, 8, by the way. That's why I brought this up here. This is on the back of the hats that have, they have been ordered. There might be extras. 
If you signed up and you paid for a hat, I ordered it. If you signed up and you did not pay for a hat, I still ordered it. So it's common. If you signed up, they're, they're on their way. But on the back of the hats, it says Psalm 34, 8. That's our theme psalm for this church. I had envisions of like just like preaching like this for the rest of the time. I don't know if that'll work. <laughs> All right. My name's Prison Mike. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we started Salt Church a number of years ago, and uh, I don't know, just having the name Salt Church was just something that the Lord had planted uh, actually through Chris. She thought it was a big joke. Hey, how about Salt Church? I was like, yeah. No, Al, I was just kidding. No, that's it. And there's a whole story behind that. And after we, after I twisted her arm and forced her to agree with me, um, we became Salt Church. Not really. Don't look at me like I'm an abuser, okay? She's way tougher than me anyway. And then um, after we created the name Salt Church, we needed a sign to put out in front of whatever building. We, this is our third building, and, um, but we needed a sign. So I contacted a sign company in Erie to create Salt Church sign for us. I think we put the time, I put the time on it, and, and the lady that I was, the salesman that I was speaking to said, well, uh, what's your motto? It's like, motto? What do, what do you mean? You need a tagline, something, maybe a verse, she said. I said, I'll call you in the morning. So I went to bed that night. I couldn't sleep. Got up in the middle of the night, and I go over. Our, we have like a little dressing room type thing out right beside our bedroom, and there's no door or anything. It just kind of opens up there. And I went over there. Our computer was there at the time. And I'm up early in the morning, and I'm just looking up all these different verses. I had a page of verses that I had written down trying to discern from the Lord, what's our tagline? What's our motto? And a few hours go by, and Chris is sleeping. She starts stirring. She's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to come up with a verse for Salt Church. And she's still half asleep. She just rolled over and said, why don't taste and see that the Lord is good? I mean, it's salt, right? I think I said, I really just don't like you right now. So that became our tagline. I, was, I met with some, one of you guys earlier this week, and he said that was not by accident. How many of you know that when God does things, it's never by accident? He's always purposeful. And even when it seems like coincidental, it's not. Like God, and, and, he, and he was reminding me that taste and see that the Lord is good is our tagline for a reason. Because this world does not know how good Jesus is. This world, and it's, it's very, very, very difficult to describe, to explain, to convey to anybody else. Like when you get touched by Jesus, when he literally ministers to your soul, and you're changed, you're moved, you're different, and you want to share with somebody else, that experience, it doesn't work. You walk up to somebody bawling and crying, I just found out Jesus loves me. And they're like, yeah, okay, I, I learned that in children's church when I was seven. 
But there's something different when the Lord touches you and reminds you how good he is. And in Psalm chapter 34, embedded in that is that verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's a a psalm that was written by David, who wrote many of the psalms. If you'd like to turn there, if you'd like to click that button. Uh, David writes this, and he starts out by saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You might read that verse, and you might think, oh, yeah, easy for you. You're a king. If I lived in a palace, if I had 700 wives, no, no, just kidding, uh, If I had, like, treasure rooms and wealth, and how easy would that be? He did not write that when he was a king. He wrote that when he was in the wilderness. He wrote that particular, this particular psalm when he was destitute. He wrote this particular psalm when he was homeless. He wrote this particular psalm when he just, he ran away from, he, he realized he had this, like, recognition. Uh, Jonathan, the, the son of King Saul, who was king of Jerusalem at that time, they had a little deal with each other. I don't know if you remember this in Scripture or not, but they were trying to ascertain whether King Saul was going to after, try to kill David or not. And they had this set up with arrows. You know, I'll bring a lad with me and we'll shoot arrows and after shooting arrows, if I say this, that means you're safe. If I say this, that means it's not safe. And he said the second thing, he recognized that it was not safe. He had to flee. And in fleeing, he goes to the city of Gath. He walks into the city of Gath. It's a Philistine city. He had already killed tons of Philistines. He had already beheaded Goliath. And he walks in thinking that, you know, I'll stay here. And when he walked into this city thinking that maybe they would be give me refuge, they start recognizing, isn't this the one that we sing songs about or that they sing songs about? Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And when he realized that they recognized him, do you remember what he did? He faked insanity. He starts saying goofy, goofy things. Drool starts going down his beard. And the king says, I don't want this insane guy in my city. Get rid of him. And he, he, he left with the blessing of the king because he didn't want somebody that was insane living there. And he's out running around. He's, he doesn't have a home His countrymen have turned their back on him. He does have some men with him. All of the ones that were rejected by somebody else was now with him. He doesn't have a place to lay his head. King Saul's trying to kill him. His best friend he can never see again. And he writes this psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. Whew. That's powerful. His praise, how's that worded? His praise shall continually be in my mouth. 
I've shared this so much this week, but I, it just keeps coming to my mind. Um, I heard the testimony, uh, or at least a, uh, a portion of the testimony of Heidi Baker. I don't know if you know Heidi Baker, but she was given the nation of Mozambique. And now there's tremendous testimonies that come out of Mozambique. Tons of people getting saved. People that are like literally uh, harming people will be introduced to Jesus and they turn their lives around. Blind eyes are being healed. Deaf ears are being healed. Like there's people walk into these uh, meetings and meet Jesus and they come in crippled and walk out on fire. It's just a phenomenal thing that the Lord's been doing for a number of years now at Mozambique. But I didn't know the testimony behind the testimony, so to speak. And she was at one of these services. I don't know if it was in Toronto. I I think it might have been at the Toronto Blessing. And um, she's at the altar, and uh, Randy Clark, Dr. Randy Clark, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, sees her and turns to her and says, Do you want the nation of Mozambique? And she cried out, Yes! And she got slain in the Spirit. Now, I don't know if you've ever been slain in the Spirit. I have. It's just like a, like a, just like you sense like God touching you, and it's, it's it's somewhat. You can make it not happen if you want it to not happen. It's not like you're completely out. I mean, for for me, that's been the case. But she, and then about ten or fifteen minutes later, you know, she's like, "I've always thought it was a good way to take a nap. You know, you're up at the altar, <laughs> the guy's praying forever. I'll just go down and take a nap." No. Anyway, she went down. Usually 10, 15 minutes later, you start, you know, okay, you stand back up. And she went down for seven days. They carried her home at night, and they carried her back to the church in the morning. It wasn't, like, explicitly expressed, but I believe that they were, like, trying to feed her and and changing her. And any ounce of pride was now gone in this woman's life. And there's been other things like, like that, too. I'm just giving you one snippet of part of her testimony she said yes and then that happens then she goes to mozambique and uh something happened to her financially she lost all of her finances then her husband and one of her children got malaria so bad that they thought that they were going to die cerebral malaria remember that brock and People that got, have gotten uh, malaria here, it's not an easy thing to, to have to endure. I remember Brock had called me one day after having malaria, and we went and picked him up and took him to the emergency room up at, in Erie. And, and I walked in, and this is Brock. His name is Brock. He's got malaria. And I turn around to go wait in the waiting room, and I sit down, and like within five seconds, the person that brought Brock Henderson to the ER, please come back to the examining room. And I stood back up and I walked into the examining room where Brock was and he's he's out of it. He probably doesn't remember this. You know, you told me you'd give me $1,000. But anyway, um, he's just kind of out of it and I'm looking around at all of the uh, healthcare staff and they all have full, full hazmat outfits on. And I'm like, should I be wearing one of those things? <laughs> like, What's the deal? They're like, how do you know he's got malaria? I'm like, because he just got back from Africa. One of one of our other people that went on the 
third or fourth floor right now, he has malaria. And he was out of it. And Greg had it too, and he was in the uh, intent ICU for a while, and it was not, not fun. Heidi's husband and one of her kids got a severe case of malaria. So put this together. She had no pride left. She lost her finances, and she had to place her family at the altar. And then the Lord gave her the nation of Mozambique. Now, did she have to go through all that stuff? I have no idea. What she had to do is get rid of pride, start leaning on God for finances, and lean on God even when it came to the close relationships of her own family. And then the Lord's like, I'll give you that nation. Now I can trust you with that nation. I believe that the Lord is desiring to do something here. And your only mandate is no, no one... First of all, no one's going to be changing my diaper. I'll just tell you that right now. But I'm just saying, uh, I'm just saying, no one's saying that you have to go through stuff. But listen, one of the things that the only mandate we've been given so far is you have to come with an expectation that God's going to move. That's it. If I said you have to come and be slain in the spirit for seven days or have to go through malaria or have to go through something else, that would be a big, big, big deal to have to go through. But that's not what he said. You have to come expecting God to move in your life, in this place, in somebody else's life. And I want you to be so connected and so tied in and so close to Jesus that if somebody receives anything from the hand of God or they only receive from the face of God, it makes no difference. They got God. And uh, this psalm, by the way, there's some debate as to how long um, David was in the wilderness. The, the smallest number that I was able to, to get out of the commentaries was 10 years. That's the smallest. Most of them say 15 years. He wasn't wandering around trying to figure out how to do this thing for a couple of months. 15 years he was wandering around. And every day of those 15 years, he was saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on, in my mouth. How awesome of an example that we have in King David. He writes, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name. That is an automatic byproduct to having an encounter with Jesus, you desire for others to get the same encounter. He's like, oh man, magnify this God with me. Come on, let's praise his name together. You know what? what so, so many times, um, and some of you are in this boat too, like you're more adventurous than me when it comes to food. You know, sometimes Chris and I will go out to dinner and she'll try something like it's, I can't even pronounce it. Like, I don't even know what it is. Or it's something just weird. Oh, you've got to try these Brussels sprouts. No, I don't want Brussels sprouts. You know, or, you know, you guys that go on, on mission trips. Oh, you've got to come and, and experience this, this cuisine from Africa. I'm like, no, I don't have to. 
Oh, it tastes, oh, taste it. No, I don't want to taste. For some reason, there's this automatic thing that when you experience, experience something like that, you want somebody else, even if it's bad. Oh, try this. Wink, wink. Chris and I got married so young. We had, we were so naive. We walked by this um, vending machine. Yeah, I can't think. And there, inside the vending machine was what? Tonic water or seltzer? Seltzer water. What's seltzer water? I don't know. Let's get it. We get this seltzer water, and, and we're in the hotel room, and she wanted me to try it first. I'm like, all right. So I, I take a sip, and for some reason, I think it was the Holy Spirit, I was able to drink it without making a face at all. I was like, wow, that's awesome. That's the best water I've ever tasted. And then she tried. Let's just say what she tried ended up on the carpet in the, in the hotel floor. Does he, that's horrible. Yeah, I know. That was only followed up by the first time she got sick uh, after being married. I, uh, too much? One second. I'm getting a look. She wasn't, I got to share it now. She, she wasn't feeling well and. For some reason, we had that strawberry quick, and I, I mixed it with milk and told her it was uh, Pepto-Bismol. And I had a full glass. Do you want some Pepto-Bismol, honey? No, get that away from me. Well, I'm not going to let it go to waste, and I just chugged it right down. She's like, oh, I can't believe you did that. I said, well, that was better than my first thought. I was going to put cornflakes in it and acted like I got sick, but that's a whole other issue. All right. When you experience God, you desire to share it with other people. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. He was in the enemy's city, surrounded by men whom he has killed, their brothers and their fathers and whoever else, and faked insanity. And he said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. When you spend time with the Lord, I I mean, when you spend, like, when you've met with him, I don't know if physically your face becomes radiant, but I think in the spirit you become radiant. But here's the thing. He didn't say they look to me, which is what most of us do. Even with testimonies, even with like Heidi Baker or Dr. Randy Clark or somebody, it's like, oh, look at him. Oh, look at her. She gave everything up for the Lord. For who? For the Lord. We're to be looking at him. We're to be looking at Jesus. When you're looking at Jesus, that's when you become radiant. 
And he says, and their faces were not ashamed. I think he's talking about us prophetically, but I also think he's talking about his mighty men. Like, they're following this man, and he has to feign an insanity, and they they leave, so to speak, with their tail between their legs. And he's like, hey, there's no shame when you keep your eyes on him. That's who we serve. That's the one we serve. That's the one we love. That's the one that makes our face radiant. That's the one that we worship. He's the one. He's the one. In uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about what we esteem. It's talking about Moses. It says this. Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. You know, Moses had a choice. He could have chosen to just live at the palace and not not worry about the plans of the Lord and just live in a lap of luxury his whole all of his days. He chose to obey God. And he says in here, I would rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. You know what that word esteem means? It means to value. It means to make it bigger in your life. It means I'm going to place more importance in this thing than anything else. I'm going to value following the plans of the Lord. Even if it cost me the pleasures of sin, I would rather be in the reproach of Christ. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. I don't know. I don't think you guys are getting that. Didn't, Didn't Brock say, say amen, shake your head, get excited? Didn't he tell you that? Like I've repeated it twice. And I look up and you guys are like this. Like slow blink. If we were doing a play and you had like the script in your hand, it would be like, blink slowly. (laughs) Yeah. Moses esteemed Jesus. And that's what we need to do. We need to be like, hey, I don't care what he does. I might walk in with a, with a, broken down leg and walk out with a broken down leg, but I don't care because I've been in the presence of Jesus. I would rather be in the reproaches of Jesus than in a lap of luxury outside of being with Jesus, whatever that means, whatever your Egypt is. You need to just be have so much esteem for Christ that everything else is dung, it says in Philippians. Dung. All the treasures of this world is a heap of crap compared to being with Christ. And then look at Jesus in the very next chapter. It says, um, talking about Jesus enduring the cross, and it's talking to us to, to look at him. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, Endured the cross. Get this next word, despising, or in other words, disesteeming. It could have been translated disesteem. The opposite of esteem. To devalue, to not place any worth in it, to make it less important. 
Jesus despised the shame. He disesteemed the shame. He didn't even think of the shame. He didn't even consider what he was going through because he was considering you and me. Yeah, you and me. I almost felt like it was you and me. He was considering us, and we were the joy that was set before him. We were the joy of Jesus. And the world doesn't know this. The world is dying of thirst, and we're in the middle of the ocean. Well, that doesn't make sense. The ocean has salt water. But anyway, we're in the middle of an oasis. We're in the middle of a well that never runs dry. And the world is dying of thirst, and they don't even understand it or know it. came to church this morning, still dark outside, and I got to have a, a nice conversation. I'm kicking myself because I don't think I handled it very well, but I got to run into a drunk guy who was here, and he was just arguing with me. You know, I, He was laying on these steps out here. I knew he was drunk, but there's something on the inside of me that likes to have entertainment. Uh, anyway... He was lying on the steps out here, and I said, man, are you okay? And he started, like, F-bombing me for even asking. And I said, I was just asking if you're okay. And he says, why don't you think I'm okay? I was like, you're lying on the steps, and I don't know. This is the library. I work here. I said, this is a church. I work here. (laughs) Like, come on. He's like, no, it's a library. I'm like, no, it's a church. Follow me. I took him out front, and I showed him the church sign, and he's looking at the sign. He goes, no, this is a library. And I said, do you think I just built that in the last 10 seconds? Like, no, it's a church. So you believe in Jesus? I was like, yes, I believe in Jesus. He goes, me too, unless you don't believe in Jesus, because a lot of churches don't believe in Jesus. I said, I believe in Jesus. And he said, I do too. I heard a uh, emblem of a, a picture of Moses on his necklace. He gets right up into my face. I took a step back. He's like, "What? are you afraid of me? I'm like, no, I'm not afraid of you, but I also don't want to kiss you. Like, just, re- you know? He's like, this is Moses. And at this point in time, I was just kind of having fun. I said, yeah, well, Moses is dead. Jesus is alive. He said, no, Jesus is dead. I said, no, Jesus is alive. I know him. I came in and Ben says, why didn't you invite him to church? I'm like, I don't know, Ben, where were you? No. I just feel like some microcosm of where the world is today. I just think people don't even know that they even understand. They don't have, an, uh, they don't have a recognition of knowing how good God is. And you and I, we know. Like we meet with him. And when I say taste and see, well, I didn't say it. But David said it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The world needs to know how good God is. I mean, come on. We're sitting at a well that never runs dry. We're sitting at a well that overflows our cup of joy. Like it's overflowing. We need to, like, somehow, in any which way that you could figure this thing out, we need to run into more drunk guys. 
We need to run into more people that are like feigning insanity. I don't know. We need to run in more into people that don't know how good God is. And you and me, we got to stop selling the hand of God and start selling the face. Yeah, I believe in healing. I believe in it. But I believe way more in a touch of the Lord. And when people receive that touch, they'll just want more. And healing is just a byproduct. You know how many healings we, were, we saw a couple weeks ago? You know how many um, testimonies I heard where they were like, I didn't even, like I was walking up to get prayed for and I got healed. Like God's that good. You know why they received the hand of the Lord? Because they were touching his face. Because they were coming with an expectation that God's going to move. They were coming with that, that desire and knowledge of knowing how good God is. He'll give us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ Jesus. Through the not first Peter chapter one. Through his knowledge. That that almost sounded weird. It's not through this knowledge. It's through this knowing. Do you know know is a form of knowledge? No. No. Taste and see how good. I ordered those hats, and I threw that in on the back. Hey, put Psalm 34.8 on the back of that. And then I had it like a panic on, as I was leaving. I hope that's the right verse. <laughs> like I, was that verse 7 or was that verse 8? Was it Psalm 34? You know, you got that, like, that pit in your stomach's like, is that Proverbs 34? <laughs> Don't worry, it's right. And I'm hoping that whoever gets one of these hats, somebody will ask you, what's Psalm 34, 8 mean? And you can share with them the Brussels sprouts, the Brussels sprouts of the Lord, of the Word of God. Here, taste this. Yeah. Nate says to me once, Al, if you come to Africa with us and they feed you a particular meal, you've got to eat it. I'm like, nope. Al, it's disrespectful if you don't eat their cuisine. Still no. Al, what happens if because of your rudeness, they don't receive Christ? Well, if my rudeness is going to keep them from receiving Christ, they don't deserve Christ. That's my answer. Jesus is that good? What? Well, that got that got a bad response. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> no amen there. I was like, oh! Everyone took a step back, thinking the lightning was coming. Phew! It's never a good sign when you're praying and everyone's going like, "Smite him, Almighty Smiter!" Okay, sorry, I'm getting off track. Yeah, I had three things I wanted to share with you today. Two of them, one of them I shared. I'm going to real quickly share the other two things. Um, One is quoting from Bill Johnson. He said this, because it takes faith. Faith could almost be synonymous with risk, by the way. 
I said expectation earlier, it also risk. He said, um, faith does not deny the existence of a problem. It just denies its influence. I like that. Faith does not deny the existence of a problem. It just denies its influence. Well, here's another one from him. Because you guys are a part of the, what God's going to do. I actually was praying about giving you some sort of a holy fear today. Because I feel it all the time. And I, it's, I just want to share the wealth. Because <laughs> you're a part of this thing. One, uh, when we were at this conference, I got two pages filled of things that the Lord was sharing with me. And one of the things that he shared with me is, um, one, it's going to be real easy. That's cool. Two, he said, it has more to do with your people than it does with you. It's one of the things he shared with me. So you're going to be a big part of this thing. Um, he said this, when you are willing to do what you're not qualified to do, that's the very thing that qualifies you. When you are willing to do what you know you're not qualified to do, that is the thing that qualifies you to do the thing that you need to do. I added a lot more words, but you get that. And here's uh, one that he shared with me. Um, we have to touch the next generation so that they can in turn touch us because they will go deeper and further than we ever dared to go. Here's another one. I said there were three. I keep finding more. Uh, if you can see heaven, you would have an expectation that sees things through to manifestation. If you could see heaven, you will see it through to manifestation. Okay. Uh, God said that one. Well, praise, praise the Lord. Let's stand up and let's pray that it's not 15 years for us. And it won't be. It already has, actually. It's been more than 15 years, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready to jump into the flow of what God is going to do, is already doing. Father God, thank you for your accomplishments, your provision, your finished work. That's it. Thank you, Lord, for your finished work. May we draw upon your works. It's so hard, Lord. It's so easy to say, so hard to accomplish. Like, it's so hard to actually disesteem or devalue what we are going through. But you showed us the way. I couldn't imagine, Lord, the shame that was knocking at your door on the cross. 
but you purposely devalued it and replaced it with joy. May we do the same. For the joy of you, Lord, is our strength. It's not the joy of what you've done in our lives. It's not the joy of a complete and full testimony. It's not the joy in arriving at the palace. It's a joy in the wilderness. It's a joy in the journey. It's a joy in the pilgrimage. It's a joy all through every single day. May that be something that we constantly place in the forefront of our lives. We will praise you all the days of our lives, every day. Because we have tasted and we have seen how good you are. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Blessings to you all. Thanks again for joining us on this week's episode of the Salt Church Podcast. We're grateful you spent this time with us, and we hope the message today has moved you. Please be sure to join us again next week for another episode of the Salt Church Podcast. God bless, and we'll see you next time.